Hi everyone, welcome to the Easy Mode Podcast, because we are here for a good time, not a get good time. I'm Prue, <laughs> and I am jo- rejoined by my once upon a time partner in crime in podcasting, MK. Hello there. Would you say I'm your once and future podcast host? I do feel like we have some sort of like podcasting destiny with each other. It is it is really funny to be like back here on a phone call with you. <laughs> many on many... a weekend. <laughs> when we could be like I would normally be like when we could be out having a life, but it's still the pandemic. So like, no, this is about as good as you can get right now. I already took a walk today. That's big in pandemic times. That's true. That's like the most serotonin that you can have on a, a on a given day. At the beginning of the whole pandemic, like in like March of 2020, there was a brief period of time where I was like crashing with friend of the podcast, Kate. And every day at like 530, I'd be like, okay, time for us to go on walkies. And it was just like seriously walking ourselves like dogs. And that was like the one nice thing we had for a while. Honestly, like if I had a roommate, I think we would be doing that. But instead, I just bought the same little treadmill as you and was like, I'll just watch more TV. The treadmill is great, though. Yeah, it's very good. I think I've convinced like three other people to buy it. Uh, great. We're, we're helping capitalism. That's really the goal. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we're already off track, which is very classic us. MK, what is this podcast? Why are we here? Why have we like emerged from the depths to return to our podcasting roots with one another? So I think like a lot of people probably think of you and me as people who exist primarily in like television show fandoms. Correct. I I think that's like the rep that we have. Um, (laughs) That's our that's our street cred. (laughs) That's our street cred. But what people don't know or like might know, but like have forgotten is that we also both play a lot of video games. Correct. And like I've basically always played a lot of video games. I am a much more recent convert into the land of video games. Um, And it's been really interesting because I feel like I kind of found it from like a sideways route. And it's only been, I want to say in like the last year or so that I think that we realized that we kind of like are obsessed with the same types of video games and started talking about it more, which led inevitably to the conversation about how, why are there no fucking podcasts that talk about video games and interaction with this type of media, the way in which we like to interact with this type of media? Yeah, because like a lot of the time when we're talking about video games, we're talking about like the dumbest possible parts of Breath of the Wild and Disagree. how they're our favorite. They are not dumb. <laughs> they are they are the actual good parts of the game. Getting the big horse is very important, <laughs> so important. emotionally. <laughs> I I really want to know the names that everyone has chosen for the big horse because they are all stupid. Like everybody's big horse name is stupid in Breath of the Wild, and it's very good for me. Oh, what did you name yours? Um, I think mine is like Chungus or something to that effect for the big horse. I named it Ganon. Oh, see, another friend of ours named hers Naruto. (laughs) (laughs) So like everyone has a stupid name for the big horse. If anything, that horse is Orochimaru, and I think we both know it. Okay. Why did you just have to expose us both as an art of people in that moment? (laughs) Um, But yeah, like, so this was the type of thing that I was like, you know what? Like, because I'm an obsessive person and when I get interested in something, I like to go deep on the research and the consumption of associated media. Like, as soon as I started to really, like, kind of play video games, 
I was like, you know what? I want to know more about X, Y, Z. And whenever I started looking for stuff, it just like did not exist. Like all of the conversations were about things I wasn't particularly interested in or held in a way that like was very off-putting to me. Like I don't care about frame rate and resolution and I have zero emotional response to the console wars. Like my major issues are related to like how do I make my Stardew Valley farm look cute? And just no one talks about that sort of stuff. And what was that like great stat that you mentioned when we were talking about at the beginning? Um, like who actually oh, yeah. plays video games? Right. So if you look at like global video game activity, most of the people on the planet who are playing video games are women or like non-binary people. Um, and most of the games that are played are phone games like Candy Crush. Like it's not assassin's creed it's not call of duty yeah and it's wild to me because i remember a couple of years back um we ambiently in like a whole separate conversation we're talking about games and i was talking about how i was like super addicted to bejeweled on my phone and you were like mm -hmm. well that's a game like that's considered a video game i was like i don't know if that counts because to me that was like it's a mobile game and that feels like that's not the type of thing that quote unquote gamers are talking about. But like, I'm increasingly understanding that it should count. And it's, it's more an issue of like the framing of the topic that is the problem, not so much the content that I consume. Yeah, I think so. Like growing up, I played a lot of console games, like console gaming was really big in my house. And so it was handhold gaming. Um, and then um, my roommate in university had never played games before she became my roommate. <laughs> I got her like hooked on video games and she liked it so much that she went and got a degree in video game production and design. And she spent like the last, however long it's been since we graduated producing what you would call casual games for like phones and Facebook and stuff. It's just such a, I don't know. I just find it really interesting because it's very classically that thing where the the female-driven or the female-preferred version of a thing is discounted in terms of uh, value or discounted in terms of, like, monetary significance, even though I know for a fact that the mobile games market is actually where huge volumes of money are in the industry of video games. Oh, my God. Um, in terms of just, like, Candy Crush... The people who spend the most on Candy Crush, like I think the person who was the most into it at its peak, was putting in tens of thousands of dollars a month how? into Candy Crush. I've never played Candy Crush, but like how? I guess like just buying lives and like upgrades and like boosts or whatever. Like honestly, people who are really into Candy Crush are really into Candy Crush. And if you have money to burn, you're probably playing Candy Crush. It's also wild to me because um, I listened to like a different epi podcast episode about this. It was not on a gaming podcast. It was on like a financial podcast. <laughs> and it, they were like, um, were you learning about the, stonks? The, I, I'm, as you know, I'm always learning about stonks because it's very important for me to help gamers rise up <laughs> via the medium of short selling GameStop. Mm. Um, don't fuck around with the shorts market. You don't know what you're doing. Um, but they were saying that, like, the people who spend, like, these absolutely, like, bonker conks volumes of money on casual games and, like, mobile phone games are called whales in, like, the mobile phone gaming industry. And I was Just like, like casinos. Ins 
Yes, it's exactly like casinos. And I was like, this is wild to me. Also, like, as a person who has played roughly 800,000 hours of Bejeweled for the phone, I'm like, truly cannot even understand how you spend that much money. Like, as a person who's like very addicted to Bejeweled and like paid like EA the money to purchase Bejeweled for my phone. And now I'm talking about it. So now I want to go buy Bejeweled again for this phone. Yeah. Um, I just like, I truly, if I wanted to and to live aggressively could maybe spend $5 a month on it. So if you are spending 10,000 a month, incredible, like, wow, nothing but respect. For me and my whale. I mean, I will say uh, I play one of the world's dumbest phone games. I hate it. I still play it. Like, I can't put it down. It's called Love Nikki. Uh, (laughs) It takes place in a fantasy world in which you win a war by having fashion battles. Um, It's very bad. I I can't stop. (laughs) I, like, just go through the motions every day. I'm like, I have to hit all of my Love Nikki unlocks for the day. It's very important. Um, And I had to make myself stop spending money on it because for a while there I'd be like, well, I just got paid, so I'll put in, like, $30. <laughs> wow. See, this is how I feel about Webtoons, like, Korean, like, online comics, where the way that the business model works is that there are, like, three or four major aggregators of them, and you have to, like, buy, like, coins or tokens or whatever that you exchange for chapters. And, like, it is very, very easy to burn through, like, quite a bit of money very quickly. And I remember at the height of my reading Smutty Korean Webtoons, I had spent, like, $100 in a month buying chapters of, like, Smutty Korean Webtoons. And I was like, I need to see a doctor about this or get, like, another hobby. <laughs> this is bad. You need to go back to the library. I, but the library doesn't give me smutty Korean webtoons. <laughs> Not yet. Ah, uh, with time, with time, with I can time. Hope. So, I, I guess the question that we kind of—not even the question, but like sort of the topic that we really wanted to cover off in this first episode—is sort of this idea of like, why is this still the constructed understanding of gaming, and? what sort of things do you and I like want to see content on in terms of gaming, right? Like what is the stuff that we like and that just we don't see and why don't we see that stuff? Yeah, I think, I mean, those are two big, big topics, right? Correct. (laughs) Um, I definitely think like the way that video games are seen in popular culture is really shaped by the 80s. Yeah. Um, And in the 80s, like everything was, this is... I don't know, Pac-Man, and it's for men. And then, like, later they would add in, like, Ms. Pac-Man, which is just Pac-Man with a bow. <laughs> is that really all that is? Basically. It's so insulting. Um, but, like, it, it operated in that ecosystem, and that didn't change until, like, it's just starting to basically change now, where they're just starting to realize, like, oh, hey, it turns out that, like, women play some video games. Like, women are buying Breath of the Wild or Mario or whatever. Yeah, it's it's a miracle. Um, I also, like, I think that this kind of breaches into a topic that is worthy of a lengthy discussion, either today or in the future. But so you grew up with video games on some level. I definitely did not. There are a couple of, like, different reasons for that. Like, I am a first-generation immigrant. My parents were definitely not, like, all about 
giving me video games that like don't worry they did not make me go to piano lessons or Chinese school but like it, they were not the ones out here being like oh yeah let's get this kid a Nintendo um and I didn't particularly have like a drive to play video games so I didn't grow up with them mm-hmm. and I didn't really come to video games in any sort of consistent fashion until I really want to say late 2010s like 20 oh wow yeah like 2018 like 2017 29 sometime in that vein is when I started getting very curious about video games and I will tell I will tell you exactly what it was that got me into it and why I got into it it was I saw a trailer for Mario Odyssey on YouTube and I remember so vividly when I was like in middle school, something like that, like going to a friend's birthday party and she had an N64 and we all played Mario Kart, which is like the most accessible video game ever. Like yeah. it's super easy for anyone to get into whether or not you've ever played it. And I had a great time playing Mario Kart, but I remember really vividly that it was a sleepover. And after everyone had passed out, the N64 was still up. So I put in, Mario 64 and I remember having such a good time in that game like even though I didn't know what I was doing just kind of like running around jumping around and seeing the Mario Odyssey trailer made me feel that it would be a game very similar to how I felt when I was just like fooling around with Mario 64 when I was like a little kid um all those years ago so I was like oh man I really want to play this and then I did some research and I was like oh I'd have to buy like I have to buy like a $300 switch and then I would have to get the $60 game and then the sort of doubt crept in I was like oh I'm not really good at video games and this is like pretty expensive and not like a key priority for my life which is like absolutely insane if you know me personally in terms (laughs) of like my absolutely profligate spending and really stupid things like I was probably literally having this conversation with myself about not wasting money while I was paying like a Russian woman $400 to microblade my eyebrows like that 100% checks out yeah this is like fully like hashtag prove things on brand so (laughs) for ages I didn't I like did not do anything with this like ambient desire to play Mario until I feel like that must have been 2018 so 2018 Christmas of 2018 my parents and I have like a comical relationship with they're constantly like can we get you a present and I'm like no because I already bought everything I want for myself um And so that year, my dad, who, like, once every 10 years gets an opportunity to, like, actually buy me a present, like, the last thing he got me was my DSLR camera, which I still use. And so, like, I don't need another one. And he was like, I really want to buy you something. What do you want? And I was like, man, I've, like, really, as I said, I did just pay a Russian woman $400 to microblade my eyebrows. I, uh, a Nintendo Switch. And he was like, what? I was like, yeah, it's like a video game machine. If you really are serious, like, here's a link to the video game machine that I want. And it comes prepackaged with Mario Kart in it. And I want this other video game. And that's how I ended up getting my Nintendo Switch and getting into video games again at the end of 2018, beginning of 2019. And it was a completely, like, accidental thing. And I never would have gotten into it again had there not been, like, a magical confluence of circumstances. Oh, my God. Okay, I guess, like, conversely, so, like, obviously, I got into video games very young, 
um, we just had like computer games, like early computer games, like DOS games and things like Mixed Up Mother Goose in my house. I was a big fan of Mixed Up Mother Goose. Um, and <laughs> you know this story, but a lot of people probably don't, which is um, my brother was helping my dad <laughs> cut down a tree that had been I like diseased. I wasn't going to bring this up because I was like, does MK want to talk about Oh, yeah, because I think it's hilarious. It's so darkly funny. <laughs> so funny. So we're at the cottage. It's in, like, the middle of nowhere. We're, like, an hour and a half from the nearest, like, hospital. You can see where this is going. Yep. Um, my brother is bracing the tree. He's, like, I don't know, 10, 11. Uh, and my dad has a chainsaw on the other side. <laughs> He's cutting through the tree. And he goes a little too far and cuts into my brother's leg. <laughs> Um, and what your you brother is fine. Let's just clarify. He's totally chill and okay. He is fine. He has two functional legs. It's fine. Correct. Um, my family is very aspy. My brother hopped past the kitchen window to be like, mom, <laughs> dad cut my leg with a chainsaw. We have to drive to the hospital Like, get my sisters. Let's go. Um, and she didn't believe him because he was so calm. And then eventually we had to like panic and I was holding tissues to his leg and he's like bleeding profusely. <laughs> So he gets fixed up. He gets stitches. The doctors come out and they're like, if it had been one or two millimeters further, he would have lost the use of that leg. And my dad is like, oh, my God. Like, I almost, like, my eldest child, like, I almost took his leg. And he goes into the hospital room and he's like, I'm so sorry. What can I do to make this up to you? And my brother was like, do you have a pen and paper? And my dad was like, what? He's like, pen and paper? My dad gets it out and he's like, we would like an original Nintendo Entertainment System with Duck Hunt, with the gun, with two running pads, and the following games, and extra controllers, and also a game genie. But this is why your brother is the bomb, right? The fact that, like, not only was he thinking clear-headed enough for himself, that he was like, no, 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 my sisters are going to benefit from this too. Yeah, yeah. We had, like, just, like, the sickest gaming setup. And so I would, like, play that. And I thought, like, these games are fine. I enjoy Mario, even though I'm bad at it. So um, bad at it. So bad at it. But what really was the turning point was when we got Final Fantasy 3, it's called in North America. It's 6 in Japan. Wait, why? Um, oh, because early Final Fantasy games in North America actually have a different name. They're branded what? differently. <laughs> Yeah. So stupid. Okay, keep going. It doesn't make any sense, but Final Fantasy 3, if you've played it, is actually 6. Um, and I went down to the basement one day, and my brother was playing this game, and I was watching it. It's like, he's early in the game, like really early. And then uh, there was this character who I just thought was so cool. She's uh, like the first female character in the game, really. Um, she had like green hair, and she could use magic, and she like seemed really cool. And I was like, wow. I really like that character. What's her name? My brother was like, oh, I don't know. I renamed her woman. What? <laughs> right. And I was like, excuse me? And you don't remember her name? And also you called her woman? Because you can just change their names? And he was like, yeah, if you want to find out her name, you're going to have to play it yourself. I mean, I guess it's like a micrometer better than had he called her female. But that micrometer does like distinction with very little difference. Yeah, no, it's, like, one of the shittiest things he's ever done because, um, like, the scale for him is is very good, actually. But yeah, uh, he did get me playing that game, and it is one of my favorite games of all time. <laughs> that is freaking hilarious. He's such a dick sometimes. <laughs> well, I, 
I think that in your brother's defense, this is less incel behavior and more just like very like strong Aspie behavior more than anything else, right? Like, yeah. Because your brother is like good people in all the meaningful respects of life. Yes. It's just that he is, I would say, more on the spectrum than I am. Yeah. <laughs> That's freaking <laughs> hilarious. I love it. Woman. What was the character's real name? Tara. Okay. <laughs> yeah. She's very cool. Later, she uh, when she gets like full magic, she turns completely pink into like a glowing flying monster. Oh, great! That's what we all want. It's it's wonderful. I think you would actually really like it. It's a great game. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, here's the thing. I so uh, actually this feeds into it well. Like as I've gone on my journey with video games, right? So like the first game that I really got and played through, um, with my Nintendo Switch was Mario Odyssey and I was like comically bad at it (laughs) like Mm -hmm. very bad at it so it's been really interesting because like you know a lot of my instincts are if I don't really know how to do something I will like go look it up to figure out how to do something and what I really learned is that there is a required baseline understanding of video games to even interact with the medium like there like any sort of guide or any sort of like walkthrough or anything still assumes knowledge that like if you come in totally blank the way that I was you don't have like I am embarrassed to admit this but like I have bought video games that I cannot figure out how to play and when I've looked up like how to play this game like none of the guides are useful in terms of how to play this game. And the very specific one that I'm thinking of right now is Cadence of Hyrule. Have you played this? No. So I bought this because it was like a super like inexpensive little indie game on the Nintendo Switch. I think it was like 10 or $15. And it's, um, it's like a rhythm game. Like you're supposed oh. to move the character in time to the music, which I thought was really cool. Like I, I, I was like, oh, that's a really cool premise. I could do that. And the art's really cute. It's like little eight-bit sprites and you kind of go into dungeons and you fight. You're supposed to fight monsters in tune to the music and like the soundtrack okay. is banging. So I was like, this sounds like it'll be a lot of fun. Here's the problem. I cannot figure out how to attack anything. I can't figure out how to change what weapons I want to use. I cannot figure out, like, I cannot figure out from the game, like, how to use this weapon or change to a different weapon. Or Mm. even when I'm running into a baddie, I can't tell if I've effectively used my weapon on them. And whenever I've gone online to search for, like, instructions, none of the instructions are that basic. They're all, like, here's the, here's, like, the strategy for like doing X, Y, Z. And I was like, no, 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 no. I need to know how to like, which like, what do I fucking press to make it like use the ax or like use the rope or like, how do I know that it's actually struck something? And I, I, and there's a really interesting YouTube video that was made by a dude whose name I can't remember um, a couple of months ago. And its title was what video games are like for people who don't play video games. And he Mm -hmm. made it about his wife who doesn't play games, but he obviously does as he's like a gaming YouTuber. And I thought it was like the most interesting thing ever because what he specifically talks about with gaming is very much my lived experience of getting into games at this point in my life. Like, this is not a situation where, like, I'm a dumb person. Like, I'm smarter than most of the people I know. But, like, it's just such an inaccessible 
like art and medium to get into. And it really highlighted why I think I was very fortunate that the video game that I decided to like re-enter video games with was Mario Odyssey. Because there are multiple systems in place in that game that like I guess you could basically describe as like baby mode that like will walk you through the game in a way that makes it possible for someone who like truly has no fucking clue what they're doing to play the game. Like I remember really early on I got into a level where I was like I literally don't know where to go because it's not a linear game. You can kind of go wherever you want to in the game. Mm -hmm. I was like I don't know where to go to like progress the story. And as I was flipping around, like, the options and the settings, I found something called assist mode, where they basically will put, like, these blue arrows on the ground that will direct you to, like, where, like, this narrative or, like, the plot of the story will want you to go eventually. And that gives Hmm. you, like, infinite lives. So, like, if you die, it doesn't matter. Like, they're not tracking lives. And that's how I played through, like, the first two kingdoms of that game until, like, I felt like I knew more what I was doing. And then I could remove that stuff and play it regular styles and I had like such a blast and I never would have enjoyed that game without those tools like built into the game itself yeah I think there's so it depends on the dev company and like who they have on user experience Mm -hmm. um the two examples that I I guess three examples that I think of most recently is one, I love Breath of the Wild, but I'm super bad at fighting in it because you can do those like shrines that teach you how to fight. And then yep. like afterwards, it is all completely erased from my brain forever. Um, I have no idea how to do a flurry rush. Uh, I don't want to go back to that shrine and relearn. Like it just seems annoying to me. I'm like, but, but what if I just didn't fight? Correct. And it's also like, it's also about timing. And it's like, I don't want to waste my time in this game doing that. Yeah. Like, it's just Um, you grind until you've memorized the timing. And, like, the fighting is, like, honestly, like, the least interesting part of that game for me. Yeah, no, I want to explore. Um, The other two things that I think are good here are, so I've been playing a lot of VR games, and one of the games I've been playing is called Moss. And Moss is basically, like, Redwall the video game. Ooh. Um, it's very fun and very cute. So you're what, a god. Wait, what platforms are you are it on? So I don't get too attached to this idea before I find out I can't play it. So it, it's on some other platform. Like I think you might be able to like just with a computer do VR or something. Uh, okay. But I'm playing it on the Oculus Quest. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so on this one, you're like a god, and there's like a little mouse who is a knight, and you're helping them through a journey. Um, and at one point, Moss gets a power upgrade. And they have a little training sequence where they're trying to show you how this power upgrade works because you have to help um, the mouse use it. So what happens is you like press a button on your controller and she stabs forward and then she holds up her sword and it glows blue and it looks super cool. And then if you try to hit something after that, nothing happens and it stops glowing. And I was like, (laughs) "Uh, okay, but like, where's the, how do I use the glowy power? It took me like 20 minutes and I had to go and Google it because I was like, I don't understand. You have to reach out your hand and like grab the top of her sword to infuse it with your own power. And then she can shoot like a force beam. I mean, that's kind of cool, but also like, how would I you shouldn't have had to Google fi- it? Yeah. Like how would you, why wouldn't the game indicate that to you some way? So they do, but like it doesn't, it's not clear enough. Hmm. 
Um, but then in contrast, when I think about like Journey, I think you've played Journey. Oh my God, I have a great story about Journey, actually. <laughs> Journey is like beautiful and very intuitive and like you get it pretty much right from the get-go. Like it's very clear how things work. Yes. And there's no words in it. And there's like no, there's no pop-ups of any guidance or anything. You just kind of like, it makes sense. Yeah. It just, you just start doing it and you're like, oh yeah, I get that. For Journey, it was so funny because um, it's one of our mutual friends, Lepicus's like favorite games of all time. And she's been like big into gaming for her whole life, I think. Um, and <laughs> so she's talked about Journey for years and years and years, but it's always been on like, I think it's on PlayStation only, right? Is that the whole thing with Journey? So yeah, I I've never owned like a system that I could play um, Journey on. So, <laughs> so we all went out to, we all went to the beach over the summer and we like rented a beach house as sort of like our COVID like shuttering ourselves in with our pod plan. I should say that I, I didn't go and I didn't cross the border. So please Correct. nobody... Right in uh, about that. It was just Americans. <laughs> M MK was totally fine. This was just Americans and we all drove and it was all like our pre like our two weeks quarantine, like everyone was fine pod down at the beach. And so Lepigus brought her PlayStation so she could finally like let me play Journey. Yeah, and she brought the whole PlayStation. She brought the she did not just bring the PlayStation. She brought the PlayStation and she brought her Switch. But to be fair, Amazing. I think we, we all brought our Switches. Um, in yeah, part the Switch because is very portable. She made a specific request that I get her the big horse in Breath of the Wild, which turned <laughs> out to be impossible because if you ask me to get you the big horse, I'm going to get you the big horse. But if you only have like four hearts and one stamina wheel, there is no way to get you the big horse in Breath of the Wild. It's not going to happen. Anyways, so she puts on Journey and I was like immediately in love. It was like so beautiful and the music was so pretty and like I was obsessed with it. And then somehow like very early in the game, like literally minutes in the game, I somehow idiot savanted my way into skipping like straight up a third of the game. Like I went through <laughs> some sort of side passage or whatever. And I was very nervous. I was like, am I supposed to do this? And it's not reassuring when someone who's played the game a hundred times is like, I don't know. I've never seen this before. And I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And I basically skipped like, you know how the journey is mapped over the hero's journey or whatever. Yeah. I skipped like the whole climb up the mountain. Like I what? basically, yeah. Like I basically somehow managed to go from the literal opening of the game to the, like some part where I was climbing up a giant like tower thingy and like got to the end of it in almost like less than two hours, which is like <laughs> not right as I understand. Oh my God. Yeah. No. We, we haven't figured out how I managed to do it. It was an incredible experience. Lubigus was just staring at me like a weirdo um, and had zero <laughs> guidance other than to be like, no, you can keep pinging. And then I was like, are we really dying? Are we really dying? Anyway, that game was an experience. <laughs> there was only one thing about Journey that I didn't understand. So my first playthrough, like I knew nothing about the game. I was just like, it looks beautiful. I'm going to play it. It's like $10. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started playing and I went through like a couple levels and then I get to a point where like an NPC appears and the NPC kept like, I'm going to call it beeping at me. There's like yeah. a thing where you can like <laughs> press a button to be like, a, like a chirping or beeping sound and a little circle of light. Mm -hmm. This NPC keeps like beeping at me and running in one direction and I can't figure out how to get out of this room, but I'm like, I wish that NPC would just like shut up and fuck off. 
Um, and I like he that NPC leaves, and eventually I find my way out of the room, and I like continue on. I finish the level I, or and the game, and I run into like many more NPCs, and then the credits start rolling, and I'm like in a sort of fugue state because that's what Journey does to you, mm-hmm. and I'm just watching the credits, and then it says, and here are all of the people you played with online. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, sorry, what? <laughs> No yeah. idea that those were all, like, live other players. Oh, my God. It was incredible. So because I'd only played, like, five minutes of this game before I'd entered, like, a much more advanced part of the game, <laughs> I was still really struggling to, like, control my fucking person. And Lepagus was like, uh, you're really going to have to rely on your buddy. Because there was another little journey guy floating around. And yeah. they were, like, helping me as I was trying to climb this tower. And I was like, wait, is this a real person? And she was like, yes, that's why you're not dead yet, is because they're helping <laughs> But, like, I, it doesn't seem at first like that would be a real person, right? Like, there's totally. no indication of it. No, you have no idea. And I think that, like, what's so beautiful about that game is as soon as I knew that that was a real person, even though I knew nothing about them, right? I started to feel like very attached to them and like very Mm -hmm. protective of them. And in that final climb up to the top of the hill where you're like both fucking freezing to death. And and one of the only ways you can get like a little bit of energy and warmth back is by pinging each other together. Yeah. It was so awful because there was a point at which you were like both just like desperately pinging each other. And I remember this so vividly. Like I was so upset, like mashing that button being like, no, 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 no. You like you have to be okay." And I just hear from behind my shoulder on the sofa. (laughs) <laughs> Waldorf being like, are they dying? <laughs> <laughs> we are dying together as part of the hero's journey. And like Lepagus with like the chirpiness of the worst PGA assholes, like, yup. And I was like, why? <laughs> why did you bring this game to <laughs> It's a deeply upsetting point in that game. Like it's a beautiful game, but it makes you so sad at the end. I like I didn't care that I died like as you can imagine from my recent gaming history I die all the time in games that's not a problem but I was like no my buddy can't die (laughs) I think this is also because like you skipped a bunch of the parts of the game that might make that make more sense on the first oh totally I had no fucking clues (laughs) like when you see and, and if you haven't played journey before for people listening to this like there's all of these like murals that activate and then illustrate a piece of history of the world where you see like that these people were all like building a beautiful civilization and then they built war machines and then they all started dying and you like see the progress of like how they destroyed their own world and how those machines are still around and like a lot of the time you're passing through a landscape full of what you don't initially realize are tombstones (laughs) so it's like yeah you're gonna die at the end but then you go to like a sort of afterlife Yes. And like that last section of the game is like so beautiful and so fun and so great. But the best part of it was that like as I was floating around, I saw more journey guides. So I was like, oh, my God, my dude is OK. <laughs> like he lived. <laughs> We're all good. They made it. <laughs> they made it. My I new, mean, my new best friend <laughs> lived. They died, but they made it to the afterlife. That's the important thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, like when I really started looking for content associated with gaming, like a lot of it was a just like it wasn't helpful to what I was looking for. And then mm-hmm. when I was looking for more like interesting, thoughtful commentary or like meta about gaming, 
like very little of it was stuff that I was interested in, right? Like there was a very like specs heavy focus in gaming where they're like people are very obsessed with like frame this rate. sword will get you plus twelve, and on a frame rate like this, you can do this back jump that will achieve X, and you're like fully I don't yes. care. And I was like, none of those things are appealing to me. What I need to know is how I can get Link every single piece of jewelry in Breath of the Wild. And I need to know like that. that if I dye his um, wrestling outfit, that I can make it hot pink. The answer Why? is yes. First of all, it's not really a wrestling. Okay, we like we we discussed this before we started recording, <laughs> but like we will eventually do an episode probably on Breath of the Wild, but we can't do it with just the two of us because Lepicus would kill us. But I have a lot of feelings about his gimp costume because that is a hundred percent what it is. It is not a wrestling costume. That is that's fetish gear. It comes with a luchador mask, dude. It is fully. It's a full suit of black rubber. No, sorry. Hold on. He has a black rubber suit, but then he also has the wrestling suit. They're two separate suits. Oh, are you talking about the glow in the dark one? Yes. Okay, fine. That one's also creepy, but like in a more acceptable way. There is a full gimp suit in that game as well. Yes. And you need it. Well, you don't need it to defeat Thunderblight Ganon, but I'm told it really helps. My method is just keep dying. <laughs> Say it. Oh my God. <laughs> how actually we should thank Thunderblight Ganon because this is how I think you and I found out that I was getting into gaming is because <laughs> I was sitting on my sofa in London and I was so angry at Thunderblight Ganon. <laughs> I like died to him like 140 times. I was so mad that I was about to throw my pro controller through my television. And I remember like complaining about it in group chat, at which point you were like, wait a minute. Are Hold you playing on. Breath of the Wild? Are you dying to Thunderblight Ganon? I was like, is there an option other than to die to Thunderblight Ganon? Because I have not yet explored that. Only if you are Lepagus. I mean, like, only if you are good at the game, which, like, I am Neither not. Neither of us is. Yeah. <laughs> this always, like, I always think about um, Monge, who is, like, a, a friend of the Hoydens. And she plays that game, and she's very good at it, and she's so good at it that she plays it on Master Mode, where, like, on the initial, like, plat plateau that you're on. Which is, is the a training golden area. Lionel. <laughs> the training area has a golden Lionel. I was like, I can't even fight the weakest of Lionels. Like, I'm too weak for those. The weakest of Lionels will one-shot you. Like, truly, how badly can a golden Lionel kill you? It'll kill you so hard you die three times. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Why is he on the Great Plateau? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. Like, people who can do that, I'm just like, you monster. It's complete madness. Um, but, like, that's the sort of thing that, like, I really want to see more. Like, I want to, like, I, I'm not interested in fighting, which I think is such a cardinal piece of video gaming. And it's not until I really started to, like, consume more media and, like, to actually do more research into different types of games that I found that there are a lot of games that don't have, like, fighting and killing involved. Mm -hmm. But you have to really look for them. You have to really know what you're looking for. And you have to, like, dig deep. And, like, you can't just get reviews off the internet because the reviews that, like, sites that review major games their priorities are not our priorities. And so their reviews of these games always give them a shit score. Mm -hmm. And then you play it and you're like, no, this is a fantastic game. Like what's your, what's your damage? Yeah. It's, it's just really interesting because I still 
I still can't quite shake like the ingrained feeling that I'm somehow doing video games wrong by not liking certain elements, right? Like I've never played an Assassin's Creed game, but like every part of my body wants to play an Assassin's Creed game, but I don't want to kill anybody. Like I have no interest in any of the actual like assassination gameplay. Mm -hmm. I just want to explore the world because evidently Assassin's Creed does like a really incredible job creating these landscapes that are very faithful to the historical contexts of the game. Um, like they apparently did one that's set in ancient Egypt. And I was like, that's incredible. I don't want to kill anybody. I just want to walk around in ancient Egypt. And then there's yeah. games like Uncharted, which is apparently sort of like Indiana Jones. But I was like, I don't want to kill anybody. I just want to go like look for stuff. Like, fully Indiana Jones, this belongs in a museum style. But it, those games are not designed for me, you know? There's not, like, a version where I can just, like, skip the murder, just wander around these archaeological sites. So, for me, I have, like, an internal conflict on stuff like this that I, like, it still doesn't really make sense to me. So, um, like you, I wanted to play Assassin's Creed because I thought that, the like, the environments and the times looked really interesting. So I started playing Assassin's Creed. I don't know which one. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, hey, this is really beautiful. I love exploring this town. I'm like evading the guards. Um, I've killed one or two people, but like it's not really why I'm here. I just want to like poke around and like get gossip. Mm -hmm. um, and then the game started giving me all of this plot where actually you're like in the future in a lab <laughs> in like the 2000 whatevers and they're sending your you back in time as Nissa. And I was just like, no, 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 what? I don't care about any of that. All I want to do is poke around this town. And I gave up on playing it because I was like, I'm not interested in the fighting and I'm not interested in this like B plot. Um, but on the other hand, uh, I played Hitman about a year or two ago, which is purely a game where you are an assassin and you have to like steal people's clothes and break into places to murder them and right. then like, get out. Um, and it's also in beautiful settings. Like, you're like, oh, I'm in an Italian villa. Oh, I'm at Fashion Week, whatever, right? Uh, I've played that, like, four times in a row in one month. Like, I was just like, I have to keep beating the game over and over because I fucking love snapping people's necks and then stealing their clothes. Incredible. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it, but it's very good. And those, like, you would think that those two games would elicit the same reaction in me, but they elicited opposite reactions. I think it's because here's what I'm guessing. So like now that I've like started to like research gaming, I'm like watching a lot more content related to gaming. And s there was a recent video that I watched from Polygon, which talks all about Hitman's throw specifically, like why the mechanic of throwing stuff at people in Hitman is so satisfying. It's very satisfying. And they spend a whole section talking about how throwing the fire extinguisher at people is, like, the best. <laughs> and I get the impression it's because, and I haven't played this game, but I get the impression maybe the difference comes in the fact that Hitman feels, like, sort of goofy in a way, where yeah. it's sort of like a playground where you can kind of, like, do ridiculous things, and it doesn't feel serious. Whereas, like, the one impression I've always gotten from Assassin's Creed games is that they are serious as death. Now, a caveat being... I've, never, I've also never played an Assassin's Creed game. A lot of my interaction with video games has been watching people that I lived with play video games. Like, mm -hmm. I watched Zoe Trope play Assassin's Creed. 
Um, I watched Zoe Trope play all of the original Red Dead Redemption, which is mm. a wild thing to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's just, it was like very, very interesting because I could kind of like zone out and then tune back in when she was doing something that I actually found interesting. So like um, when she was like fighting bandits, I didn't care. But like if she was gathering pelts and stuff to like sell at the town, I was like, ooh, this interests me as like a little house in the prairie. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think, yeah, I've, I've spent a lot of time just like, I mean, growing up, obviously, right? Like watching my siblings play video games when we... Uh, when we got Zelda 64, we got it for Christmas. And the right. way that this worked when you have three kids is my brother, the eldest, would go first. And he got to play until, like, the first major save point, And then he had to change the game, like, log out. And my sister got the next save log because there's three save files. Oh, and she would okay. play until that save point, And then she had to, like, log out. And then I got to do the third save point, And then we would just go back and it would be my brother's turn again. Interesting. So you like played one third of that game. No, we all. Okay. So he would do like point A to point B and then he would turn it off and my sister would make a new save file and she would play the same A to B and then she would log off and I would make a third save file and play the same A to B. And then my brother would log back in and do B to C. Was this so that you guys couldn't like spoil each other? Um, Sometimes we wouldn't be in the room. Um, I, as the youngest, really benefited from watching them do it because I was so bad at games and like just as the youngest you don't have as much skill yeah true Um, I still don't have that skill (laughs) yeah I mean I still don't but I think one of the really interesting things about like when you're doing something like this like when you and a friend are playing a game and you can see what they've done like if you had a roommate or something like if we were roommates right now though we would kill each other we would be (laughs) able to see each other playing video games and compare how we were playing yes um so like Uh, my brother was very analytical about his approaches to rooms versus like there's this dungeon early in Zelda 64 where you reach a point in the dungeon where there's a big glowing cauldron in the middle of an empty room. Uh Um, And I was like, it's spewing like green poisonous looking smoke. And I was like, well, I'm staying the hell away from that. Right. And my brother's like, well, I'll explore the rest of this room. And then I'll come back to explore that. My sister took one look at it, didn't look at the rest of the room, and jumped into it. And we were like, what are you doing? (laughs) It takes you back to the start of the dungeon, and it's a teleport point that you can save from. Incredible. But, like, you wouldn't have known that, right? Well, that's, that's like, the fun part of, like, watching people play video games now, like, on YouTube, via Let's Plays or whatever, is, like there's always like a sort of weird delight in like the experience of yelling, why are you doing that at your <laughs> television screen? Cause everyone plays games so differently and you can't like, no one is like fully narrating their internal thought process when they're doing stuff. And like, I think this is worthy of exploration at this juncture because it ties very much into the fact that you and I have through the course of this recording, both individually and separately been like, Oh, but like, we're really bad at video games, like (laughs) a million times. Okay. So you were saying like, we've both said in this that we are very bad at video games, though. I would say that this is a sliding scale because like Gus and I are definitely better at video games than you are. But most of my friends and definitely my brother are significantly better at video games than, say, I am. But I also think it's such an interesting claim that we make because I think that we are 
uh, grading ourselves on the same curve that is like inappropriate to like our like the type of games that we like to play and mm-hmm. how we play those games. And I mean this in the sense of like I always think back to the single like even before I knew anything about video games, all I knew was that like people could be complete assholes about something called Dark Souls. Ugh. <laughs> Sorry. I've s- <laughs> I hate Dark Souls. I've never played it. It looks very sad. All of the images from Dark Souls look like they're poop wrapped in cobwebs so like not my type of game and like the little clips i've seen just involve you being like hella killed by skeletons which is like not a core competency of mine so what the fuck ever my friend (laughs) alex plays that game obsessively and in the before times we would go to his and his wife's place every friday night for board games but like while we were all eating because we would eat first he would still be playing dark souls and i'd be like i can't even look at the tv while i eat because it's just like so vicious like visually disgusting it's, it, I mean, it's supposed to be visually disgusting. It's like a crumbling world. But, like, it's really not something that I want to look at for no. long periods of time, right? I want a beautiful so, world. Yeah, I want to, like, look at something interesting or fun, whatever. So, but I knew even then that there was, like, this whole thing about, like, Dark Souls being, like, the hardest video game. And, like, to really have any video game cred, you have to be, like, good at Dark Souls. And I assumed that so much of this was just, like, the way that you have to have for certain video games, like really good fast twitch responses and like good reflexes or whatever stuff that like I don't have in general. And it's not anything that like upsets me or bothers me. But what I've realized is like so often when people say like, Oh, are you good at video games? It really boils down to like, are you willing to obsessively spend time like memorizing like certain muscular, like muscle responses to things Mm -hmm. to be able to do them fast And I think that, like, I'm never going to do that because, like, I have to go outside and, like, have a life. And I have, like, a job. And, like. Hold on one second. Because (laughs) you play Tetris 99. I can't last, like, five minutes in Tetris 99. And you are very good at it. And the way you get good at it is through, like, muscle memory and pattern recognition. Yeah, and that's that's what the other piece of this. So, like, I think that there's, like, a giant chunk of, like, quote-unquote, get good at games, which is just, like, obsessive repetition of something that, like, seems really unpleasant to me. And then there's another piece of it where it's, like, you and I are, like, quote-unquote, bad at video games, but, like, we are very good at certain types of video games. Like, I would venture to say that I could, like, beat all of y'all's asses at Tetris. Easily. Not that that means anything. <laughs> Not that that means anything, but that's just because, like, Tetris is one of those video games that I've, like, played since, you know, before I considered that to be a video game. Right. Yeah, you were just like, this is a thing that I do. It, it doesn't count. I think there's a yeah, lot of, exactly. it doesn't count. Correct. When I, so when I think about Tetris 99, um, and I think people who think the way that you do, I think of a news story that is one of my favorite news stories of all time. Uh, there was this journalist and he was asked to report on like video game world titles when that Donkey Kong championship movie came out. Do you remember this? No, there was a Donkey Kong championship movie. So there's like a, it's like a documentary, but it's a movie about people playing like competitive Donkey Kong on arcade machines. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause this is like, um, I watch a lot of speedrunners. There's like world records for pretty much every video game that you could possibly think of. And Donkey Kong is brutal on this. But Tetris mm. is more brutal. Oh, so yeah. This, I can this, imagine. Yeah. This journalist guy is like, 
talking to the people who like run and officiate and like make sure that everything is legit during these competitions or during like world record runs. Um, and they mentioned that uh, Tetris is like a big one, that there's like all sorts of Tetris titles. Um, and he says like casually like, oh, like what's, what's the world record for lines? Like how many lines have someone cleared for Tetris? And the guy throws out a number and the journalist pauses for a second. And he says, you know, my wife plays a lot of Tetris. She has like an old Game Boy and she plays it like when we're driving places or when we're on airplanes. And that's like her lowest possible score. <laughs> oh, no. oh my God. Right. And the guy on the phone is like, excuse me. And he's like, yeah, no, she's really good at Tetris. It, like, didn't occur to me before, but, like, she's always playing. And he was like, you need to bring your wife to Oklahoma immediately. It's <laughs> <was> like, what? <laughs> and so the story totally changes because he's no longer reporting on, like, the world of this documentary. He's like, and then I got my wife on a plane and we flew to Oklahoma. And you're like, excuse me? <laughs> and they set her up and they're, like, in this, like, big arcade. And they have her on, like, a big machine. And there's, like, Guinness World Record camera people there and, like, loud Holy music playing. Holy shit. Right, and they're like, just just stay calm and just play a normal game of Tetris and we'll tell you how you did. And she's like, uh, okay. <laughs> um, and while she's playing, she's doing really well. And there's like a point where she crosses the line that they told her was the world record. And she's like, what do I do now? And they're like, just keep playing. And then she keeps playing and they say, hold on a second. It turns out that the world record we told you is for black and white Tetris she's playing color Tetris and the record for color Tetris is higher. And it's this number. And he's like, Oh my God, I have to tell my wife. And he goes over and he tells her and she's like, that's no problem. <laughs> and she keeps playing and she beats the world record by like 3000 more lines. Holy shit. Right. And she's just like, this just to clarify for any one of you who's like, not like a Tetris person getting to a hundred and 50 on classic Tetris is really hard. <laughs> yeah, like Tetris is very competitive, and it turns out that this lady is, at least at the time of that article, the world record holder in color Tetris. That's insane. I love that. That also reminds me so vividly of like um when Tetris 99 came online. So like if you've never heard of Tetris 99, it's a Nintendo Switch only game, and you can only play it if you have Nintendo Switch online. It is literally the only reason I have a Nintendo Switch Online account. Like, I do nothing else with it other than play Tetris. And, yes, I've purchased the DLC for this. I don't want to talk about it. It's fine. Um, but, so, like, I remember when Tetris 99 went online and everyone, like, who was a Tetris person, like, lost their minds and, like, decided to start playing Tetris 99. And, like, that first weekend, <laughs> it was so funny because it was just, like, a bunch of, like, gamers you know like twitch streamers like gamer people just getting their asses handed to them by like a bunch of middle-aged people who've just been playing tetris for their entire lives their like, usernames were all just... things like steven's mom 84 yes they're just like on a completely different level like they've been training their whole lives for this. they've been playing tetris since it was basically the only video game available it's a very good video game man it retains I, its awesomeness. I played a lot of it on road trips. We would drive from Canada to Florida, and I played Tetris almost the entire way. Can I tell you, the biggest temptation to purchase a PlayStation for me, and mm -hmm. I am aware that this is a sickness, was to get a system that is capable of playing Tetris Effect. <laughs> no, that makes perfect sense. I also don't know if you know this, but they use Tetris Effect to help people with 
I think it's Alzheimer's. Because oh, the, wow, really? Yeah, the like patterns and music do something to their brains that is beneficial. You go into a zone. Like, and that's not just for Tetris effect, but like when you play like pattern recognition games for long enough, and this goes for things like um like bejeweled and like two dots and stuff like that. You, hit you a eventually flow state. get in Yeah, you hit a flow state and like the I mean, problematically, if you look at my game timer for like Tetris ninety nine, like <laughs> You can lose time in those games very, very easily. Um, you said you've never had a PlayStation. Have you ever played Katamari? I have played Katamari, and Katamari is now also on the Nintendo Switch, in case you have not played it. Oh, I it own is it, yes. Very fun. <laughs> so when Katamari first came out, I went out and I bought a copy, um, and I was living with my brother at the time, and he had like an office in his basement where he had a PlayStation and I didn't. And I was like, can I play Katamari on your PlayStation while you're at work? Because I'm in school. He was like, yeah, mm -hmm. go ahead. I went out like first thing in the morning. I bought Katamari. I went home. I went to the basement. I started playing. I did not move, and I did not realize <laughs> how much time had passed until he came home from work as the end credits started playing. And he was like, how long have you been here? And I turned and like my eyeballs didn't know how to register the real world anymore. And all of a sudden I was like, I have to pee. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. My whole face hurts, but I love this game. Do you want to describe to the listeners in case they don't know what exactly Katamari is? Because it's so amazing. <laughs> it's such a weird ass game. Um, so Katamari posits that the king of the cosmos is like a giant, um, very flamboyant, but apparently straight man uh, who gets drunk a lot. And when he gets drunk, he like crashes out and just destroys the solar system. Um, <laughs> and he has a bunch of like nephews and nieces and also his son. And his son is about, I want to say like five centimeters tall, maybe less. And he's like this weird little alien. And the father is like, take this sticky ball and go roll up objects with it until you have it big enough that we can replace like this star or that star or that planet. And that's all you do is you like control this prince by pushing a sticky ball at things. And as the ball gets bigger, the things that you pick up are also bigger until you start rolling up like countries at the end of the game. It's so like partially what makes this delightful is that like the art is very like it's super colorful and really bright and like visually engaging. And the and music. The music is so good. And one of like the funniest things about it is that you can roll up living objects and like there's <laughs> they, nothing like, and I'm aware it's like very dark to say this, but there's like truly nothing funnier than when your ball gets big enough and you can like roll up children and you can still see their little hands and feet like waving in your category. <laughs> That part so is very good. good, but my favorite part is, like, you roll up your first child, and then an adult sees you, and they get a shocked look and try to run away, and then you catch them, too. It's so good. No one is safe. Although, no one I is will safe. say this. Is this just, like, a Prue is bad at this situation? Because, like, I feel like the controls on Katamari for controlling the ball on um, the Nintendo Switch are horrible. It's better on PlayStation. It's really weirdly bad on the Switch. Like, there are levels that, like, I'm struggling with. And I know that they should not be that bad. Like, for example, there's, like, an early level that's just, like, the bird level or whatever. And mm -hmm. I just, like, Cygnus. will never, ever get that one. <laughs> so you know how um, with a Nintendo Switch controller, you have, like, two little tiny joysticks? Correct. And they don't move very far, right? 
Well, I'm doing it on the Pro Controller, and it's still really laggy. Yeah, I guess, like, on PlayStation, those joysticks are so big and can take so much force that you can really, like, to, like, build up speed or, like, jump or whatever. Like, it's much more... It's brutal, is basically. Like, the way you control it is more brutal, but it reacts faster. I think that I need to... I, this is also, like, one of those games where I think that you have to play a lot of it or, like, a, a, a certain amount of it to kind of get into the right rhythm for it and get really good. Like, when I put down Tetris for a while, when I get back in, my first couple of games are always going to be, like, an absolute clusterfuck mm-hmm. until my brain is like, wait, this is what we're doing, and yeah. it gets back on board. And I suspect Katamari is a similar thing. But there's just, like... I mean, this is a topic that we can explore at length later, but, like, there's so many games out there. And, like, the more I do research for, like, the type of game that I like to play, the more I'm, like, delighted to realize there's, like, a lot of it out there. And I just, like, my backlog is crazy at this point of stuff to, the stuff to, like, actually spend time on. Yeah, it's hard to, there's a lot of games I want to play that I haven't played. Um, Something Mm -hmm. that is helpful but stupid right now. (laughs) Um, is I subscribe to Apple Arcade. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Apple Arcade, I pay a monthly fee to access like extra video games on iPhone. And one that I am playing is essentially um, like a chapter unlocks as they develop it. And it's interesting. An, it's an ongoing story game. So it's called uh, Murder Mystery Box. Okay, and of course. Of course it is because it's me. Um, and what it is, is it starts out and you're like a junior detective who has just been promoted to work with this other guy who is basically Mulder in the basement of the police station. And they want you working specific cases, except that it turns out like the chief of police is corrupt and thinks that you are his inside man. Um, and so you're torn the whole time between like, what does the chief of police want me to do? And what would my partner who has been relegated to this weird basement want me to do? <laughs> Um, and as you play it, it's like very interesting, very fun. If you like Ace Attorney, you'll like this. Um, but the point is like, I'm waiting for the next chapter to unlock because I've just solved one murder, but the overarching like police corruption and like city politics deal is just Mm -hmm. really getting started. And I need to know what happens next, but I just can't play it right now. So it forces me to play something else. Interesting. I mean, like, so for me, it's more stuff like, um, like, I really want to go back and play more Hades, which is a game that I recently started playing. But I also downloaded something called A Short Hike, which looks super cute, and then I wanted to play for a while. But then, like, basically, like, I know that the, probably a lot of people, especially people who've been playing video games for a very long time, are very used to having, like, a crazy big backlog of video games. But, like, up until very recently, I only had like four video games and I played all of them or I had like finished them or something like that. And now that I have like fully realized that there are like a lot of games that kind of like scratch my particular itches, I'm just like kind of accruing them, like which is the problem of like being an adult that has her own like fun money. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, why not just spend like $30 on this? Because I'm never going to get to play this game, Prue. That's why you don't buy it. You're not finished with all of your other ones. Yeah. Oh, see, I feel like I'm better at that now that it's my money on the video games. When it was like my parents' money, I was like, yeah, get me every video game. But as an adult, I'm like, I will buy this video game and I will play it for like the next month and a half straight. And then I will play a different video game with the exception of Breath of the Wild, which I play. I'm still playing it. It's been like three years. I, I mean, there's still stuff to do. I mean, like you and I 
are united in the stupidity that is trying to collect all 900 Korok seeds, even yeah. though there's absolutely no reason to do that. There is a reason, and it's called, I need to get all of those Koroks and make the little dancing man happy. Uh, I mean, you need to get all the Koroks. You need to make the dancing man happy. You need for him to give you a golden poop as a reward to be like, you're a dumbass for having done that. <laughs> They're like, congratulations, you played yourself. <laughs> that is fully what that gift is. <laughs> yeah. I haven't che- I'm on my third run through, and I have not gotten all of the Korok seeds. I'll get to it. There's, I, I'm like, so, so anybody who like got them quote unquote legit styles, I'm so impressed by because like basically both you and I at this point are like just sitting there with a fucking cheater map of Korok seeds to try and find them. Cause there's like too fucking many of them. Like I've put 250 plus hours into this game, Mm -hmm. into my one save file, because like, that's another thing about how I play video games, which I recognize is very weird. Like I do not have multiple saves. Um, And like, I think that I have less than 150 total Korok seeds at this point. And like, there's no way I'm going to find 900 of them like organically. No, not organically. I will say also, um, so like every time I start a new log of Breath of the Wild, I feel like I learn something else about how to play the game because quote unquote, we're bad at this. Um, yes. but on my most recent playthrough, I learned something by watching a speedrunner, and I was just like, holy shit. Cause I knew that there were certain places where you get Korok seats, but I could not figure out how to do it. And usually what this is, is where there are like three trees or three cactuses in a row. And you need to get it so that each one only has, like, one apple or one piece of fruit, right? Yeah. And doing that with a sword or bombs is basically impossible. It turns out that what you do is you stasis the one piece of fruit on the, like, remaining tree. And then you just, like, blow up what's there. And the apple hangs there. And as long as the apple is in the air in stasis with the other trees, it counts. Uh, Okay. This game is so... I can't wait until we talk about this game because like I love and I hate this game. Yes. I love it. Uh, I've never sworn more in my life than when I did each time I fought Thunder Blake Ganon. I hate that guy so much. Like I'm sure my neighbors are like, normally MK is pretty quiet. And then for like a day, all we heard was like, you fucking face fucker, you piece of shit. Like, ah. I was nonverbal by the end of it. Like, so, you know, I, I basically like start, I would play, I would go to work. I would come home. I would like eat dinner and then like immediately start playing the game. Mm-hmm. And I would play until like two o'clock in the morning every night when I was like at the height of my breath of the wild thing. Oh yeah. And I think that for like two or three nights I was stuck on thunder flight and I feel like by the third night that I like had literally run out of swear words to use on him and so every time I died it would just be this like inarticulate noise of rage like ah! <laughs> just like trying to resist the urge to throw my controller through the television that's that's the hardest part is not throwing your controller but now I have a follow-up question for you okay have you played the champions ballad dlc I have not purchased <laughs> any of the breath of the wild dlc Okay, I really enjoy some of the DLC, but there is a piece of it that I think will make you so angry that you might just never buy it. Oh my God, tell me. Uh, me So (laughs) you can upgrade the powers that you got from doing each of the Divine Beasts. 
Okay. First, you go on like a little shrine quest. And then after you finish the shrine quest for, let's say, the Gerudo, um, you wind up like there's like a series of clues that lead you back to Vanaboris. And then it says, are you ready? And you're like, I guess. And it strips <laughs> you down to a specific set of armor that they've chosen. Oh, only the like food this. that is in your pockets and only the armor or the weapons that they've chosen to give you. And you have to fight a harder version of that boss. Yeah, so I'm not going to get the DLC. <laughs> <laughs> you get, like, more info about each of those champions. It's really nice, but you could probably just watch that on YouTube. I did it, but I will say, like, again, vociferous swearing. I He's so hard. And, like, maybe things would be different if we had, like, the rubber gimp suit. And, like, I was actually good with fast twitch responses, but neither of those factors were true with me. So, like absolutely like no thank you that can be for other people i will just make lepagus play it and i'll like watch her do it yeah this is um they also have like those apparatus shrines you know where you have to like tilt the controllers oh fuck the motion controls man right i'm super bad at those and my friend courtney is really good and i'm so mad that we're in quarantine because i'm always like i just want to be like courtney can you just clear these the following shrines for me because like i'm incapable well okay can i just like they are, I don't know if other people have had this experience, but like with some of those motion control shrines and like maybe it's just because I play using a pro controller because like I don't like the way the tiny sticks on the actual Nintendo Switch thing feels. But like there is a point at which you are just holding that thing in the stupidest possible manner. Like yep. there's no way to tilt it further. It's now upside down and you're having to try and like navigate the thing with your controller upside down to do the motion controls. And like, there's no way to like reset to normal unless you back out of the apparatus entirely. And I'm like, there is no way this is what you intended. <laughs> so what I actually do with those is like half the worst solution and half, this worked for me and I managed to clear a couple motion control ones on my own. Mm -hmm. um, which is when you get to the point where you're holding the controller like upside down and backwards and it's in the worst possible position, back out of the apparatus and then slightly change the position of your controller so that when you turn it back on, you continue turning the controller until it's in a natural position to finish the move. Yeah, you're going to have to show me how to do that over video at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But okay, we've we've wandered deep into the territory of Breath of the Wild. Is there anything else that we wanted to kind of like get off our chests in this initial episode? Like any other topics that we wanted to cover off before? I think like there's one thing that's like related for me, mm -hmm. which yeah. is like when I started playing video games, I didn't have any concept of like, this is a boy's game and this is a girl's game. Like none of that. I was like, yeah, I like playing the Little Mermaid on Nintendo and I like playing Final Fantasy. And for me, those are the same. Like they are both just fun games. Right. Um, and then I got older and I developed like that, like anti-feminist sort of shame where I was like, well, I can't play that game because it's like a girl's game. Like I should right. be playing like the real video games. And like, as we've discussed, there's no such thing. Like real games are probably Candy Crush at this point. Mm -hmm. um, but as an adult, I got into something called hidden object puzzle adventure games, which okay. exist almost exclusively on like PC and Mac. Like they are not on consoles. They are cheap games aimed at women, which are a mix of like a fantasy adventure story where you're the hero, usually like a lady detective or like a lady wizard or something. Mm -hmm. And you have to like help people by finding things in a busy scene, kind of Where's Waldo style, and then like solving puzzles. 
That's the whole okay. thing. And they're only aimed at women, and they're like 5 to $10 a pop. And if you ask anyone who calls themselves like a quote-unquote gamer, they'd be like, those games are trash. I love them. I watch Twitch <laughs> streams of them. I have like an extensive collection. I've bought some of them on multiple platforms. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyways, I think, I guess it's like, I've come out the other side and now I'm like, lean hard into those games that are quote unquote for women. Yeah. I think that I, I agree with you. Like I would never, ever describe myself as a quote unquote gamer. Like that, that, that word is too heavy with too many connotations of too many incels. But I think that I very much come through and am just like, in the way that you become more confident in liking the things that you like as you get older, I'm just like, I don't care about like categorization anymore. I'm having a good time doing this thing. And Mm -hmm. so if that means like the right way to have a good time is by playing Stardew Valley or like Tetris or spirit fair, like I'm going to do that. And I'm not going to worry about whether or not, I'm performing video gaming in like the right way. And I'm not going to worry about like categorizing it in any way. Right. Like if someone asks me like, am I a gamer? It's like, well, I do play video games, but like not call of duty (laughs) and definitely not Fortnite. Like, does that still count? Who cares? Right. Like as long as everyone's having a good time and you're not torturing anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a really good attitude to have towards it. And it's hard to come to, especially like, for you as somebody who started gaming later. Very much so. Yeah. It's, it's just like, it's so weird. Like, obviously I feel like a lot of my video gaminess has like been accelerated by the fact that we've spent the past year in lockdown. (laughs) And it's, I know that a lot of people like went into lockdown and just like watched everything on Netflix, but like that felt way too passive for me. Like whenever I'm just like watching something, unless I'm super engaged, it's very easy for me to get distracted or whatever. But video games are different, right? Because you're actively having to do stuff in the video game. So I could very much sink into the game and like for a little while at least, like not be riven with the anxiety about our global pandemic. And I think it really like accelerated um, a lot of my gaming tendencies. So like before 2020, I think the two games I'd really played were Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey and like Mario Kart, obviously. But after that, I really started to like pick up other games and it's been, it's been really fun. It's been like a fun journey of discovery. Although I will say for anybody who is in a similar camp as me and who is like, buying games based on reviews and like what looks pretty and like what seems cute or whatever. If you're like a relatively early stage gamer, you're not very like good at fast switch reactions. Um, don't buy Celeste. No. Uh, Celeste looks, Celeste looks really pretty. It sounds like it has a great story. It has beautiful music and um, it's hard as fuck. It is so hard. There's like a, it is a class of games <laughs> that use that movement style and that movement style is very difficult. It's the dash, right? Like, I just can't control it. Yeah, I have a friend who's, like, a developer for those kind of games, and he was always like, do you want to try playtesting this? And I was like, no, thanks. I can't. Unless unless the goal is to make the game a lot simpler, because I can't play it. I like watching people play Celeste. It's not my favorite, but, like, you know, I enjoy watching someone just, like, destroy a Celeste run. It's not for me. Yeah, basically. Pretty, pretty much where I land as well. 
Okay. So I think we're going to wrap this up, but I feel like a nice way to conclude um, every episode of this is to give a game uh, recommendation. So, MK, what will be your game recommendation for this uh, episode? My game recommendation is called A Case of Distrust. It's Ooh. on the Nintendo Switch store. Um, the graphic style looks like those old Apple iPod commercials where it's just like one color, maybe in two shades, plus black and white. Mm. Um, and the point is that you are a 1920s noir detective on a case and you have to solve it, but you can't trust anything that anyone is telling you. Right. It's very easy to play. Like you're basically like clicking on things and asking people questions based on evidence. Okay, so basically, if you like murder mysteries, this may be for you, whether or not you're good at video games. Like, this could be, this sounds like it's straightforward enough that this could be your first ever video game. Yeah, I would say, like, it's simpler than Ace Attorney, but it uses some of the same techniques. Got it. Oh, that sounds cool. I mean, I suck at mysteries of all kind, so this sounds like, um, <laughs> sounds like <laughs> something for someone else. I think you would like the ending. I'll tell you that later. Okay, cool. Let's not spoil it for anybody. Yeah. Um. All right, so my recommendation is going to be a game called Spiritfarer. So I think that the official kind of tagline for this game is Spiritfarer is a cozy management simulation about death, <laughs> which is very on brand for me. Mm -hmm. But the premise of Spiritfarer is that you are a young woman named Stella who finds herself uh, taking the role of Charon, the uh, the ferryman for people heading into death and your job is to pick up these spirits who post death have transformed into animal spirits and to build them cozy little houses and get them all the things that they need so that they can find peace and ask you to take them to the ever door which is like the transitional point between life and death the art in this is absolutely gorgeous um it's done by a studio called Thunder Lotus. I think they're Canadian. And the uh, it's just like, it's got beautiful music. It's very charming. And it's a video game that reduced me to tears over and over and over again. Aww. Because you get so attached to these characters. And your whole steez in this game is that you're like, building them like a little house on your giant ferry and like you're trying to make them their favorite food and um you can play with your cat like it's just like a really beautifully done game and it's much less intimidating as a management simulation than something like uh like animal crossing or even stardew valley where i think it takes like a lot more like keeping track of stuff to make your like farm or your island good mm -hmm. um but, like, it also actually has, like, a really strong narrative through line for each of the guests that comes on to the ferry. It's so pretty. I really, really liked it. I will say that, like, some of the controls on the platforming sections were bad. Like, just straight up bad. There were parts of this game that made me so frustrated from how bad the platforming controls were that, like, I had to put it down for a while. But I always came back to it because, like the game itself beyond that piece was so good. And it's one of those that I consumed over the course of like two weeks and I highly recommend it to everyone. Although it is like, it is about death, 
And so it can be kind of a bummer. So please keep that in mind if you have any specific sensitivities around that. <laughs> Good. That sounds really, really interesting. Yeah, it's really pretty. I mean, like, I would recommend, like, go on YouTube, look up a trailer and see if it's your particular steez. Like, I really, really, really enjoyed it. Like, a lot more than I even thought I would. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I think we both enjoy some, not all, like, kind of melancholic, aesthetically pleasing games on this kind of subject. Truly, yes. <laughs> um, okay, but I think that wraps us up for our inaugural episode. Um, MK, thank you for hanging out and talking about, you know, uh, easy mode video games with me. Yeah, thank you. It's been a very long time, but I really enjoyed this. Same here. And for anyone listening to this, I think the plan currently is to maybe try and record um, an episode per month. So this is not going to be like a return to our previous high octane, like once a week. Episode we both work too schedule. much for that now. We both have like other things to do. And also I do have another podcast. So I was like, we can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And finally, don't forget, it's dangerous to go alone. So take this. Thank you.